Hey, we're going to Big Sky Breakdown. Coulter Nuanas, as always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Really appreciate Blackfoot and all their support in helping us develop a podcasting network and being so involved in all the various podcasts that we are either leading the way on or in association with. From Nuanas Now, my daily radio show, to our Grizz Greats podcast series, to the Big Sky Breakdown right here at SkylineSportsMT.com, as well as some other great things like the business angle with Justin Angle, a bi-weekly segment on Nuanas Now. That's also a podcast and the New Angle podcast with Justin Angle as well. So be sure to check out all of those. Please rate, review, subscribe to all those good things. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications for making it all possible. This week in the Big Sky Conference, the women are at home and the men are on the road when it comes to the Montana schools. Lady Grizz have their first home games of the Big Sky season. It's been forever since they've played a home game period, but they have not played any Big Sky home games at all. And so Mike Petrino, Lady Grizz head coach, will join us off the top here. He's uh, in an interim season, but he's got the Lady Grizz at 2-2 two and two in league play at 5-4 and four overall. And they have Sacramento State coming to town for two games, one on Thursday, one on Saturday. Montana State women, they are also at home against Northern Arizona. NAU split with the Lady Grizz last week. Bobcats are also 2-2 two and two in league play. The men, they're on the road. Montana State men, they are at Flagstaff uh, at NAU. We'll hear from Danny Sprinkle, Montana State second-year head men's basketball coach. And Montana, they are on the road at Sacramento State. We'll also hear from Brooks and Waters breaking down the league and some trends in the league and uh, also a little snippet from Nuanas now breaking down Teron Johnson the Weber State corner who had the 100 yard pick six in the divisional round of the playoffs last week to help the Buffalo Bills make an appearance in the AFC championship game for the first time in a generation Big Sky Breakdown you can always find it at SkylineSportsMT.com Connections are what bring us together, whether halfway around the world or in the office next door. Blackfoot Communications is proud to provide next-generation network infrastructure that enables reliable, secure, and always-on connections. From SD-WAN and firewalls to business voice and fiber, our solutions connect you to your community. Visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 406-541-5000 to learn more. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Happy now to welcome in Montana Lady Grizz head coach Mike Petrino. This is the beginning of what will be about 45 minutes worth of Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops, but this first segment focusing specifically on the Montana Lady Grizz. Coach, we haven't spoken to you in a couple weeks. How are things? Thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you guys. That's awesome. The coverage you're giving for uh, women's basketball in the Big Sky, that's great. That was fantastic news. I read that about what you Chris are doing. That's great. It is. It's been a pleasure to cover the league for as long as I have. It's actually been the thing that I've covered yeah. the longest in the Big Sky Cowards. I think this is my 14th women's basketball season, and it seems, Coach, like the league just keeps getting better. I know you've been in the league now for five years, but you've always had your eye on the league as well. So what do you think of just the overall complexion of the league at this moment? Well, I think the league this year is, you know, two years ago it was loaded, right? You, and you do, Colter. You, you uh, call the league very well. Um, I've always been impressed with the names you know. Um, throughout the years of how well how, follow, how closely you follow it. Two years ago, as you know, we had that great senior class. You had, um, you know, from our team, you had uh, Jace Henderson. You also had the two guards from Idaho, Pearson, Friends, and, of course, Anna Smith. I mean, it was just a loaded group. And then last year was kind of a new year, I felt like, uh, except for Bozeman. Bozeman had a lot of senior upperclassmen, but everybody else kind of new. And then I think this year the league's just more experienced. So I think it's uh, uh, a little more experienced than last year and had that, direction and um in a good direction so it, it is it is balanced and with everybody's i think records are misleading because 
you know, people are in quarantine here or there or come back from an injury here or there. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and then, and then you probably have to do setup, right? You're playing one school twice. He's on the road or at home. Um, we haven't experienced the home games yet, but we've experienced the road ones. So, uh, it's definitely unique here for sure. Montana coming off of a road trip at Northern Arizona. Lady Grizz split 183-74 on Thursday and then fell 89-76 on Saturday. Uh, but, Coach, what's what's your overall impression of your team right now? It seems as if uh, you're coming together pretty well, and that's a tough road trip, so you have to be at least somewhat satisfied with a split in Flagstaff. Well, whenever you win the first one, it's exciting because you know that um, you know we play a very good team. Uh, NU is really good. They've... Uh, you know, they have some kids that uh, aren't playing because of COVID, but they've picked up some transfers. And, you know, J.J., their number three, she's a fantastic player, great offensive player. and um, Plus, they have the preseason MVP. And, you know, J.J. is not only leading their team in scoring, she's among the lead leaders. So um, we got the first one, which was great. And then, uh, you know, offensively, we did a lot of good things. Um, on Saturday, we just ran into a team that was really hot. They were really good offensively. Um, you know, we score mid-70s and shoot 50% from the field and we're in position to win but we just couldn't slow them down so a lot of positives to build off of and then some things we want to take care of this week for sure Thus far it seems as if um, a pretty defined at least scoring hierarchy has emerged on your team Carmen G. Feller has been great she's proven she can get her shot at pretty much any time she wants, create her own shot at a lot of areas on the floor. Seems like Abby Anderson has really come along offensively as well and then of course Sophia Styles running the show. So, Coach, what have you thought of the, the, that trio, particularly the contributions to your offensive flow? Uh, they've been great. They've been they've done a great job. Um, you know, it starts with Sophie. Sophie runs us, runs our, pro, runs our uh, transition game and, and then the flow of our offense. And um, she takes great pride in getting people the ball where they can uh, do something with it. Um, you mentioned Carmen and Abby are both having fantastic offensive years. So far, they've been very good. So far, uh, Carmen has taken the most shots on our team and um, has the highest shooting percentage on our team. So whenever you have someone taking the most shots among the starters and they have the best shooting percentage, that's great. Um, she's shooting the ball but almost 56% clip in the field. Um, Sophie's got, you know, leaders and assists. Uh, Abby's been very good scoring back to basket and faced up. And, um, you know, very proud of for that. Um, Maddie's coming on, had, had probably her best offensive weekend um, and continues to lead us in the crash on the boards. She leads us in rebounding. So balanced production. Um, and then we have a lot of our new kids that are coming in and making key contributions. So we're not perfect yet, but there's definitely some positive things to build off of. And uh, we just got to keep getting better and getting more consistent. Mike Petrino joining us on the Rangish Brothers RV Fold Line. He's the head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz. And, Coach, you mentioned Maddie Schoening, and she's had such a, a bizarre career. I mean, she's been hurt for so often, but she's made such big impacts in big games whenever she seems to be healthy. And now it seems like she's back to full health. As the main senior in your rotation, how much have you guys relied on her just in terms of leadership and the spark that she brings? Yeah, you know, that's good you point that out, that you know, not only her leadership, but she's, a, she's aggressive on the boards. Um, you know, she leads her team in rebounding. Leads their team with offensive rebounds, um, and you know gets the line. You know shooting eighty-seven percent from the line. Um, so she that, that aggressiveness is helping her. Um, 
she has battled a lot of injuries over the years, um, but very resilient for us. But uh, our only senior um, done a great job with uh, trying to keep everybody together and, and educate our new kids. Uh, been a very positive influence on us and being the, all, all those jobs that nobody else um, likes to do. She takes pride in doing them. So very thankful for having Maddie on our team. No rest for the weary. Now Montana's back home against Sacramento State this weekend. And, Coach, under Bunky Harkle Road, Sac State has run this really unorthodox style for a long time. I don't know if they're putting as high a priority on some of the crazy goal numbers that they used to have, but they I know at one point they wanted to shoot 53s, they wanted to shoot 100 shots, they wanted to get 40% of the offensive rebounds. What's this Sac State team look like? Is it similar to sort of the haphazard style that they've employed under most of uh, Coach Harkle Road's seasons? No, they're, they're a little um, not – that level, that part, but they are, I would say, a little more efficient. Though, um, you know, they they finally getting people back. They've the first few games they're missing people, and and uh, they've got everybody back. Uh, watching them on film right now, I was very, very, very impressed with how they played Idaho State. Idaho State, you know, beat our league, and and uh, you know, they they kept those games um, very competitive. Um, Idaho State one had a big lead, and they came back and. Um, this is a scary team for us, and you know we have to worry about us and do what we have to do. Um, you know, we we all get to play at home. It's only our third home game of the year. <laughs> um, it's the first time we've had a home game while school's in session. So, someone says, "Is it an advantage playing at home?" Well, for us, and not to have our crowd not advantage, and then plus, they've almost <laughs> Sac State's played almost as many home games we have here in this gym. So, it'll be a unique situation for sure. But we're glad we're at home and. And uh, no doubt that there'll be a, there'll be a tough challenge for us. The travel element, on one hand, you don't have to go to a place that's going to have a hostile crowd because there's no crowds anywhere. But on the other hand, yeah. it is bizarre to travel at this point in time. I mean, I talk about that element. I mean, has it been weird you know, going uh, traveling across yeah. the country to, to play basketball games? And what, how have your players reacted to just the challenges that are maybe different this time of year than they have been in other years? No, it's a good question. I, I think overall our players have done a really good job of handling all the chaos of this year, all the change. I mean, from having games canceled to um, multiple COVID tests a week, and we're taking three tests a week. Sometimes we take more than that because our um, our leader, our captain, that uh, JC White, who's done a phenomenal job, uh, plans ahead and plays these scenarios out. Our players done a great job, I think. I mean, they're not getting the traditional experience of being a college student. Nobody is, right? They didn't. Um, we we have eight new kids, so we sold, you know, in the recruiting pitch, you talk about how passionate our fans are. Well, they know how passionate they are, but they don't get to witness it at first hand. They didn't get to see football games this fall. They didn't get to, you know, they're they're living a strict protocol lifestyle where they're not going out um, or told not to go out. And, um, you know, it's been a unique situation for sure. But when you go on the road, it is, it is unique. It is unique. I mean, no crowds. Um, we feel more than anybody, I think, because both us and Bozeman have got two great fan bases, right? Two great fan bases that are, our crowds are great. It's fun for women's basketball to play in front of them. Um, whatever advantage we, both of us have there this year. Um, it's a, it's an empty gym with a lot of uh, corporate sponsorship around the gym for the uh, live stream. And, um, and then a lot of cardboard cutouts. So that's what it's like. <laughs> it is amazing. I was talking to coach to about this last week. 
And he would say, you know, his Montana's men's basketball team has lost a pair of Big Sky games by uh, two points each. And like he was saying, so my freshmen might have been playing a little bit above their level of play if we would have had 5,000 people in here, but not so much with yep. nobody in the crowd. So, I mean, do you think it affects young players more? Or, I mean, do you feel like it, it does cost you a bucket or two when you are at home since Dahlberg Arena is such a great home court advantage? Well, our, our um, players, our, our crowd's amazing. I mean, I, I think Coach Bearford say thing, say thing, say the same thing about hers. Is that there's definitely an emotional lift to you from our crowd. Um, it's a great atmosphere, and I, 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 you know, unfortunately, we have two games, and and one was a, a game that wasn't really you know close. The other game um, was a good game. It was it was close it was back in December against North Dakota, but I know we'll miss it. I know we'll miss it at key times, especially the Big Sky Conference games. Um, but it is a unique situation. You're right, and, and and I wish I had. Now the good news is we have eight new kids. They don't know any different. So, really, we have six active kids that know what that crowd's like. Our eight new ones have no idea um, what's like to play in front of them. So, maybe the fact that they don't know what they're missing helps. So, but there's there's no question with our fan base. They're awesome. Now we hear through. I mean, there's there's so many positive emails and messages sent to our kids and stuff like that, which is great. But uh, we would love to have a. A, a normal game like anybody else would, right? No question. Hopefully we get there soon. Mike Petrino, head coach of the Lady Grizz, joining us on the Rangets Brothers RV phone line. And coach, specifically about Sac State, I want to ask you, this is actually sort of fascinating. Tiana Johnson, who's the starting point guard for Sac State, mm-hmm. she started 18 games last year as a redshirt freshman, and now uh, she's, I believe, leading Sacramento State in scoring this year. She's from Kalispell. She went to Flathead High School in, in Kalispell, yeah. Montana, I hadn't really followed this story. I knew she was a great player in high school. I had not realized she'd ended up at Sac State, and now here she is playing in the big sky in a place where I don't know if a Montana girl has ever played. So um, did you guys ever look at, at, at Tiana Johnson and just what's her, the overall scout on her? How key is she to Sac State this weekend? No, I think Tiana was a very good player in high school. I, I wasn't here when she was in high school. Uh, I know you know, I know Shannon and the staff talked about her before, and I think you know, part of the thing about recruiting is sometimes just the timing. Issue and, and you know this coming college sports a lot of time. Um, uh, sometimes it's, the timing is a lot of about recruiting, right? Is there a, a position available? Is there a need there? Is you know, or is the, the other schools have more needs there? Um, sometimes a kid wants to get away. I don't know personally what the story about Tiana um, in her journey here, but I know that she's very, I always heard great things about her uh, from previous Shannon, the previous staff about her. So uh, she's had a really good career at Sac State. She's doing really well. Um, actually, our dad, I grew up in Kalispell, so when I was leaving, he was coming in there. He's an administrator there, and uh, I've known those guys and a uh, very successful athletic family. Uh, but, yeah, she's a good player. Uh, they had a couple of players that are, you know, not typical Sac State, uh, aggressive, explosive-type offensive players. So uh, they'll be – and I'm sure every kid who goes back to their home state wants to really uh, do their best, right? Um but, uh, yeah, they got a lot of, she's done a really good year for him. She's done a really good year for him. we get you out of here on this, Coach. What will be the key factors for your team this weekend, and what sort of improvements? What, what area do you want to see growth in for the Lady Grizz? Uh, you know, I think the big thing we always talk about is being consistent. You know, we have some good moments there, and, and uh, being consistent, I feel like we really need to uh, win the paint area. Uh, you know, we have some good scores in the paint, but the paint doesn't mean just post players. It means how well we attack the basket, how we get offensive rebounds. Um, you know, how often we can be on offense and, and finishing plays. And then defensively, we just got to really keep the ball, get back in transition. You got to guard the dribble. They spread you out. 
that run that dribble drive. They really spread you out and, and uh, get to work on containing the ball, keep it front. And then the big thing is rebounds. Um, you know, they, they shoot a lot of threes, kind of contest the arc, a lot of long shots, long rebounds. And it's not just about blocking out, it's about getting the ball. So how well we uh, contest shots from three, how well we keep the ball in front on penetration, and how well we um, pursue those rebounds, whether it's a block out and get it or get it down, will be the keys, I think. And take care of the ball, of course. So there you go. There's a long way to answer, but those are all important points. Mike Petrino, Lady Grizz head coach, his team against Sacramento State, 7 p.m. on Thursday, and then an early wake-up call on Saturday, 10 a.m. on Saturday. You can find both those games on Pluto TV. It's channel 1056. I've gotten a lot of texts about this lately because Pluto's expanded. It used to be in the 700s. Well, now it's down in the thousands, so 1056 for the Lady Grizz games. Coach, we appreciate the time as always, and best of luck this weekend. Hey, thank you, Colter. Thanks for your coverage of women's basketball. This is a, a great league, as you know, and something you know a lot about. So we appreciate uh, the efforts you and Chris are making. So thank you. During her time as a standout player at the University of Montana, Krista Redpath carved out a reputation as a fan favorite among Lady Grizz faithful. In recent years, Krista has carved out a niche as a top color commentator and analyst when it comes to Big Sky basketball. Tune into Nuanas Now each Thursday for a new segment, Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops with Krista Redpath, proudly presented by Pangea. People do ask me, you know, what's different about this Lady Grizz team this year? I'm like, a healthy Sophia Styles is the difference. Not having uh, multiple surgeries like she's had to have the last right. She was really hurting last year with her shoulder, and she was doing everything she could to be out there. But they're a better team with Sophia driving the catalyst. She she just makes others better around her. She's tough off the dribble. She can also shoot. She makes players around her better. She handles pressure, and she just defends, too. I mean, she's, she's just the complete package. Catch Around Big Sky Women's Hoops with Krista Redpath each Thursday during the 4 o'clock hour on Nuanas Now, right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. We go now, Rankage Brothers RV phone line, as we do every week, to welcome in Montana State second-year head basketball coach Danny Sprinkle. And Coach Sprinkle, you're off your second straight sweep in Big Sky Conference play. I know it's early in the year, but you guys are the only squad in the league that have done that already. So just take us through it. I mean, what's it like to be 4-0 in first place right now in the Big Sky Conference? Yeah, I mean, it's great right now. I mean, obviously – you know, the, the big thing we've just been harping on is, you know, you got to stay humble. First off, you don't know what games we're still going to play. You know, it's it's a long season. There's still COVID out there. And we, we just have to keep getting just a little bit better. You know, you watch film. And, yeah, we're excited being 4-0. But there's still a lot of things we need to clean up and get better at. And we know everybody else in our league is feeling the same way. And, uh, you know, still got 14 games. We, we got we to keep getting better. I asked you this in the post game uh, after the second win against Portland State, but I want to reiterate it because I think it's such a fascinating dynamic that you play the same team twice in a row. I think with a team like Portland State, because they are an unorthodox team, maybe having a chance to scout them all week and then play them twice in a row, maybe you can uh, re-employ the same game plan. It doesn't You don't have to change a scout, whereas in past years, if you had to play a Thursday and then turn around and play them, or you had to play them on a Thursday and then turn around and play somebody else, a lot of times it got kind of complicated. Take us through that element, just the kind of the preparation, especially with some of the unorthodox teams like Portland State. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing Portland State does is, uh, you know, they're not going to change because that's just that's what they do. They're going to press you. They're going to trap you. They're going to go to the offensive glass, and, and they're going to try to impose their will on you. Now, for us, we had we actually had to make quite a few adjustments um, from Thursday to Saturday 
and they all they all work. They all they all were beneficial in helping us win. You know, I thought on Thursday night they did a really good job keeping us on one side of the floor. You know, they made it hard to reverse the ball, and so we had to put in a couple actions on Saturday to to kind of alleviate that pressure. Um, so we did a couple of things that worked for us and put two new plays in, the, which is one of the plays we scored 11 points off of. And so it it helped. And then the way we guarded their ball screen action, um, because the one kid, you know, Scott, he really hurt us the first game. Uh, he had 23 points and 14 rebounds. And so we had to, you know, and we had trouble keeping their guys in front. You know, they are athletic and fast. And so we had to kind of adjust to that. And, uh, you know, and we did, you know, which helped us. Now, they're, still, they're still talented. They're going to get, they're going to get some things, but, you know, I thought for us, what we had to do to win the game, um, you know, I thought it worked out for us. When you're trying to gauge just Portland State in general, they're such an interesting study in this league because they didn't get to start practice until way later. They didn't get to start their season until about 11 days after mm-hmm. everybody. And then they hardly played any Division yeah. One games before conference play. But they do have the one conference win over Weber State, and they were competitive on the road in Bozeman this last weekend. So I know every year it seems like that's a team that coaches around the league talk about, hey, they're pretty scary. You don't want to play them in the tournament. Do you agree? I mean, do you think that this Portland State team is still pretty dang talented? Oh, no, no question. You look up and down their roster. I mean, they got, you know, I mean, Elijah Hardy's from University of Washington. He's shooting the ball well. He, he might be the fastest and quickest kid in our league. You know, Khalid Thomas is a 6'10", legit three-man, um, you know, from Arizona State. You know, they have a kid, Charles Jones, who, you know, was National Juco Player of the Year. You know, he's getting, you know, five, ten minutes a game. Like, they're just, they're load. Amari McCray, the monster inside. You know, like, they're they're really talented. And, and the one thing Coach Perry does, like, they play hard. You know, like, you can see it on tape. You can see it in person. You know, they, they fly at the glass. They they It's nonstop pressure for 40 minutes. And, uh, you know, you, you have to be really disciplined, and you have to be able to get to the next play. They're going to get steals and hit threes. They're going to get dunks. They're going to be going crazy on the bench. you got to relax, come down, and execute. And, you know, I, I, I even told our guys, film. I was proud of our guys of how they responded when they made their runs by coming down and executing and being patient and being disciplined, uh, which is what you have to do against Portland State. Last thing on this last weekend, Jabril Bello. Dave Sprinkle joining us, by the way, second-year basketball coach at Montana State. Jabril Bello, the Big Sky Conference Player of the Week. I know he averaged 12 points a game. That's good. That's a right around his season average, but it seemed to me, Coach, that it was the, the, his ability to, to dominate the glass that was the key to that award. I think he averaged 11 rebounds a game this last weekend. So when you're, especially against Portland State, how key was that element of, of his production? It, I mean, Jabril was the reason we won both games. Um, and not just his rebounding, you know, which is critical against Portland State, but I thought in the last eight minutes of both of those games, he he dominated the paint on both sides, offensively and defensively. You know, even the first night, you know, he had four, three or four block shots that saved layups, you know, and we transitioned off those and scored. Like, we weren't stopping them unless he blocked their shot. And so, like, he, he flat won the game with his defense and his ability to change and alter their shots, too, you know, both nights. And so, you know, I, I was happy for him. He, he's put a lot of work in the last couple of weeks. You know, he's one of those kids that got a late start with, you know, COVID. And, you know, he had, you know, quite a few issues in the in the fall. And, and so I think now he's just kind of – he's kind of now just getting back into, you know, what we saw at the end of last year where his explosion's back. 
No rest for the weary. Now you hit the road. Go to Flagstaff, Arizona to play Northern Arizona, a team coming off of a big win in Missoula on Saturday. Lumberjacks closed the game on a 12-0 run, held Montana scoreless for nearly six minutes in a 62-58 victory. And so, Coach, you've seen some lower, lower scores in the Northern Arizona games, but right now Lumberjacks sit at 3-4 and four in conference. What's your general scout on NAU? Yeah, I mean, really tough and physical. They they never stopped playing. You know, they were, like you said, they were, they were down in both of the games in Missoula. You know, they were down and they, they clawed their way back. You know, they dug themselves too deep of a hole in the first game. But, you know, they, they compete. They compete. They play hard every possession. They, they make you earn it. Uh, they make you score over them. They very rarely give you layups or, you know, angles to the rim to, to get an easy bucket. And, uh, you know, and their, you know, their best shooter didn't play last weekend. You know, we expect him to be back this week. And, uh, you know, they're young, but they're, they're, they're a tough physical team, and we're, we're going to have to be ready to handle that and be disciplined like we were last weekend. Speaking of guys being out, that was a main factor in the second game against Montana. Nick's Mains returned to the lineup, and he was really good, scored 17 points and knocked down a lot of big shots. But Luka Dalovic, uh, the, big, the, the number one shooter for NAU, he is expected to be back in this game as well. So when you talk about yeah. Coach Cameron Shelton, who I believe right now is still in the top 10 in the country and scoring 21 points a game, then you add in those two guys that can stretch the floor like Adalovic and Mains, and then you have a couple young big guys, including Carson Tout, number 33. It seems like NAU does have a, a decent amount of talent here in Shane Burkhardt's second season. No, they do, and, uh, and they're going to be good for a while. You know, and Like I said, it's always dangerous when you have shooters because that you, you have to respect their ability to not – because games can – they can it can open up quickly, you know, just like Northern Colorado. When they get going hot three, like you're in trouble. And uh, we have to do a great job there. You know, the other thing they do is, you know, they, they rebound the basketball. You know, I think they might be. I think uh, NAU is second uh, in offensive rebounds in conference play. And so, you know, when they're not making them, they are rebounding them. And so they're uh, they're a dangerous team. And you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to, like I said, we're gonna have to get better. And you know, we're gonna have to play our best two games down there in Flagstaff. He's Danny Sprinkle, Montana State head men's basketball coach. He joins us every week right here on Nuanez Now. And, Coach, I know it's a long trip, and it's an interesting trip every single year, but best of luck, and at least you don't have to go all the way uh, both sides. You just get to go to Flagstaff and come home. But we wish you the best of luck, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. I appreciate it. Go Cats. Thanks. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications can to more. Go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in Brooks Nuana, SkylineSportsMT.com, but also an NFL aficionado, and that's what we're going to be talking about primarily in this segment. This is going to be a weekly deal. If you haven't been tuning in to Nuana's now each week, Brooks will join us, and he also contributes on the Big Sky Breakdown as well. Um, a main star of the Big Sky Breakdown, I should say. I mean, he's the guy that gives you all the analysis you want on Bobcat and Grizz, men's and women's basketball, as well as football as well. Uh, but, Brooks, let's jump right into it. It's an exciting divisional weekend this last weekend, four games. Um, but probably the biggest in terms of local spin, big sky spin, was the pick six by Teron Johnson, former Weber State Wildcat, former Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Year. 
pretty cool to see a kid from from the big sky that we've covered and interviewed and photographed and all of that uh, make one of the biggest plays maybe by a big sky player ever in NFL playoff history. Yeah, it was a great play. I, I also at the uh, at the big sky kickoff in Utah uh, when he was to golf with him and Aaron Holmes, which was pretty fun. So rode the cart with uh, Teron Johnson. Was stoked for him on that play. Big play. I mean, he's played both of the Bills on this entire year. He's one of the better nickel corners in the league. Um, one of the interesting things, I, I, I saw a stat that that was Lamar Jackson's first red zone interception of his career. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, hasn't had a very high conversion percentage in the red zone overall, especially this season for Lamar Jackson. Um, but that was his first red zone interception, which I thought was quite timely for the Bills, who ended up putting that game away pretty handily, even though the score stayed relatively low. When we were covering Teron Johnson, he had such an uh, interesting career at Weber State because Jay Hill touted him as a next-level type talent all the way from his sophomore year on. He played in some really talented secondaries, including as a junior, and he was a second-team All-League guy in that year, and that was Weber State's first year in the playoffs. But then in 2017, Weber State won the first of what would become three straight league championships. But the production... Uh, I mean, yeah, I can, you can't say lacking because it was there, but not not outrageous, crazy numbers. Six career interceptions. I think he had three as a senior, but mostly that was just because teams were thrown away from him. So, I mean, it, so many of the guys that we've covered in the Big Sky that went to the NFL were so utterly dominant at the Big Sky level. Teron Johnson was dominant in a different way, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that in his skills translated it to the NFL really well as far as the way that the NFL was evolving at the time that he was drafted was kind of a time where there was a lot more nickel linebackers on the field. There were sometimes extra safeties, and the nickel position in general was becoming an every-down kind of position, almost a starting position. Lots of teams would only run a two-linebacker set with that third, either a big safety, a hybrid linebacker, or sometimes a nickel like Teron Johnson. In college, he did a lot of those same things. So I think when you watch a traditional safe cornerback uh, in college, let's say like Montana, uh, former Montana corner uh, Jermaine Johnson, you see a big guy who's on the outside, um, who's physical, who can play press and run with, you know, oftentimes the best X receiver, the, the, the long outside deeper threat. Um, Teron Johnson played a lot inside in college, which I think was why he was so touted, I think was the versatility um, of his of his defensive back skills that allowed him to be drafted in the NFL as well as a guy like Jay Hill who knows where the NFL landscape kind of was sitting at the time knows um, Toronto Johnson's um, physical elements that he brought to the game. Uh, I think that his skill set really just translated so well to the timing of the NFL. And now you see him continue to have success as you know a mainstay. One of the I'd call it eight or nine really consistently um, good nickel corners in the league. Of course, every team has nickels, and of course, every team gets into those situations. But he is a that defense is kind of built not around him, but around that secondary and it evolves that nickel position so much. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula statewide SWX Montana television. Brooks Nuana at SkylineSportsMT.com joining us on the Rankage Brothers RV hotline. And that's an interesting point too, Brooks, is the defense isn't built around Teron Johnson for the Bills, but he's perhaps – you, you can't even say most important player, but he's the he's the fulcrum of it, right? He's the he's the linchpin as he goes, and his ability, to, particularly to make tackles in the box when he's playing up in the box and making tackles in space, that's kind of the thing that makes the entire defense come together, right? Yeah, it really is, and 
and you said it perfectly, is that when you see Teron Johnson or if you're around him just without pads on, just kind of just his, his shell of a body, he's not the biggest guy. You know, I think he's listed at 5'11", 190. Um, he really isn't the biggest guy, but he's so physical in the run game. I mean, he makes great tackles uh, in the box – Outside the box, he can stretch the he can stretch it to the sideline, um, but he he'll he's willing to stick guys, which is you know so unique for a corner who's definitely you know not the biggest guy on the field. Um, and as you said, he is kind of a fulcrum for their defense. I still think that Tr- uh, Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds, their middle linebacker uh, for the Bills, is is one of the most impressive players in the NFL. I think a lot of stuff gets funneled his way, um, and a lot of stuff is kind of that defense is kind of wrapped around him. I mean, I think you really hit it on the head with Tron Johnson is the full threat of that defense, which is in a unique position, especially with the way the offense started to go for the Bills. They hadn't rushed the ball all that well, so they got, you know, not a lot of shootouts, but the Bills were putting up points. So teams were throwing all the time, which made Teron Johnson, you know, on the field more often, making more plays. Uh, he had a really great season, so I was super happy to see that. I mean, what an impressive play. You don't see a 101-yard touchdown very often. I think mean, you sent me a video clip, but he got up to 20.9 miles per hour, which is pretty darn impressive. Now, ran Lamar Jackson. That's pretty good bragging rights, no matter who you are. Brooks Nuanas. Nuanas is now joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV Fold line. Connections are what bring us together, whether halfway around the world or in the office next door. Blackfoot Communications is proud to provide next-generation network infrastructure that enables reliable, secure, and always-on connections. From SD-WAN and firewalls to business voice and fiber, our solutions connect you to your community. Visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 406-541-5000 to learn more. Blackfoot, connect to more. Hey, welcome back in. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylandSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Really happy to have them on board. They sponsor a lot of great things that I, I and we are involved in. Another really good one that, that we got going on right now is the Business Angle. Every other Tuesday, Justin Angle, a business professor at the University of Montana, joins me on Nuanas Now to discuss all things business and sports, the relationship of money and Sports, particularly when it comes to college athletics, but also professional athletics as well. And it's been really educational, really fun breaking down the economy of it all. And that is also proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. We really appreciate Blackfoot being such strong supporters of all the endeavors, particularly in the podcast world. It's it's really fun to work with them. This Big Sky Breakdown, you've already heard from a couple coaches from around the state of Montana and around the league. You also heard... My weekly segment, This Week in Big Sky Basketball. Now, Brooks Nuanas is going to join us to break down the league at large. And, Brooks, last week you were in Bozeman. You got a chance to shoot at least a little bit of the Montana State games against Portland State. And uh, so first let's start on the Bobcat side of things. I know we've seen the Bobcats on the live stream. It's always different to watch teams actually in person, particularly when they're not playing Yellowstone Christian College, which was kind of the only other Um up close and personal look you've gotten at them. So just your general impressions overall, the Bobcats, as they earn their second consecutive weekend sweep. Yeah, I got to see the whole game Thursday. Most, most of the game on Saturday, um, it's a really interesting team. It's, it's so different than what the last four or five years have been under the, in the Brian Fish era. The team really feels so much like a Danny Sprinkle team. And if you don't know Danny Sprinkle, then watch his team and you'll really you'll, you'll pick up quickly what he likes to do with the basketball uh they like to get the offense and they like to move the ball but they're they're not afraid to push the tempo they're not afraid to get shots earlier in the shot clock um not tons of set plays but 
They whip the ball around the horn really well. They look inside often. They like to share it. It doesn't seem like there's anyone that's too much of a selfish player. Everyone kind of understands their role, which is pretty interesting early on, especially with a, with a couple transfers as well as a couple freshmen playing. Um, so, yeah, I think that they're really interesting. The, the, the stars, you know, the guys that are going to keep getting – uh, the recognition of the Amon and Damos and the Jabril Bello and Mike Hood. Um, between those three guys, you know, some of the better scorers in the league. Um, and those are all kind of guys that are going to hover right around that 15-point mark, um, which is pretty impressive at this level um, to have multiple guys that are kind of in that in that realm. So, you know, I mentioned Adamo gets a big snap for the week two weeks ago, then this week it's Bello. Um, those guys are good players. Uh, Bellow's a big, he's a force down low. Uh, and he had a good matchup this week with Portland State. And he, you know, he really, sh- he, he's shown. And he's the kind of guy that I think as you get more touches and you kind of get more later into the season, he keeps leaning on people. He's going to be a tough guy to stop, especially in like a conference tournament setting. Well, he's going to continue to get into, he's in way better shape than he was last year, but he's going to continue to get into better shape too because he's just a huge guy. And so I think that the more he plays, the more games, the more game shape uh, he'll be in. And you mentioned those three guys, and then you, you didn't even mention Xavier Bishop, and Xavier Bishop is obviously uh, an, an awesome part of the, portion of this team as well. Senior guard who's been a Big Sky Conference player a couple times himself as well. And so to me, though, I think that when I watch him as well, I have not got a chance to watch him live and in person yet, but I will get a chance to watch him live and in person in a couple weeks when Montana takes on Montana State. It's going to be a home-and-home, a Thursday night game in Missoula, and then a Saturday game over in Bozeman. But uh, the unselfishness does stand out. And also, I think that the role definition, they have several guys that are slashing scoring guards, like the three that you mentioned. They have several guys that are just spot-up shooters, like uh, Tyler Patterson and Nick Azalis. Then they have a couple guys who are just pure post players, led by Jabril Bello, but Borja Fernandez can play like that a little bit as well. And then you talk about uh, the guy who I think is maybe unsung, the glue guy, Abdul Muhammad. He's not scoring a bunch. He doesn't need to score a bunch. He seems totally bought into his role as a perimeter defender, though. And I think that this team, more than a lot of teams in the league for the last several years, I think this has been our biggest gripe in the league. Although we've had great talent, in the league, there's been a lot of teams that don't really fit together. And the teams that do, that have roles that are defined, like Northern Colorado has had great role definition the last couple of years. Eastern Washington has too. That's led to success. And it seems like Montana State has that role definition and a bunch of unselfish, particularly veteran players. Yeah, you're right. And I did forget to mention Xavier Bishop. Uh, on Thursday's game, he fell into the uh, my my very common and all too well-known curse of when I haven't seen a guy who plays really well, then they, when I see him, they play terrible. He didn't really play well on Thursday. Uh, but I think that speaks to their team about how they don't necessarily need one guy every single week. Um, it could be a different guy. You know, I think that there's four or five, even up to six guys that could like be the primary scorer in any given game that they end up winning, uh, which is really unique. And like you say, throughout the league, there's there's always talent. You know, this is Division One basketball. All the guys are are really good, even down to the 15th guy on the end of the bench. I mean, they're 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 really talented basketball players. But it's so much about fit, so much about how do you how do you get your shot, how do you assist in in, in helping your team create offense, and then especially defensively, how do you buy in on the defensive end? Um, if the offense isn't working or if you're not getting the touches that you want offensively, how do you buy in defensively? And as you mentioned, um, Abdul Muhammad has done that defensively. Big, long athlete, really interesting body that we don't see a ton at this level. 
more of a high major body. Um, and you're kind of that six, seven, six, eight with, with long arms, long reach, and you got a little bit of bounce. Usually those guy, kind of guys kind of fall more in that like high major uh, categories, but yeah, he's a, he's a really talented defender. Um, and overall their team defense is interesting because they, they're all really just bought into it. They just have, a concept of we're just going to man you up more or less and, you know, switch a couple things on the perimeter, but not very often and, and, and just kind of play it, um, which is, which is also kind of refreshing to see. So it's, it's a pretty darn good team. And, you know, it's to their four, four no start and big sky play. Speaking of teams that got good athletes, Portland State's ridiculously athletic. They're going to be a work in progress because they had such a delayed start to their season, not being able to practice early on. They didn't return a single starter. They have all these, New guys on the fold, but Khalid Thomas, number twenty-three, who's kind of the head of the snake on that press now, and a six-foot-nine, six-ten guy, Arizona State transfer, who can play face in the basket. He's different physically than most guys in the league. Elijah Hardy, the transfer from Washington, he's one of the fastest players in the league. He's not got it going yet offensively, really. He's only shooting shooting thirty-four percent, but he's different too. And James Scott, he's filling it up right now, leading Portland State in scoring. 15 points per game. But then probably the guy that physically stood out the most is Amari McCray, number one. This dude's about 6'10". They list him at 275. I don't think so. This guy's three bills. He's huge. But just from a body perspective, Portland State just looked so physically formidable. I know they're not clicking and coalescing in the style quite yet. They they have way less games on their belt than most teams in the league. But just body for body, they look like a contender. They do, and, you know, they play that, that full-court press, um, and they're all pretty buttoned into it. I thought both the, both the wins, especially the win on Saturday from Montana State, was impressive because Portland State brought energy, man. They they were hooping and hollering, and, like, they were so buttoned into the game plan. Um, they created a lot of problems. On Thursday, there was times in the first half where I'm like, the Cats might get killed right now. Like they are, this is a pretty impressive defensive effort from Portland State. They were just causing chaos, just causing – there's just no – you could never settle into anything. Um, but as you mentioned, they have some good athletes. The Amari McCray kid was he's, – he's, he's the biggest guy I've ever seen in the Big State Conference. Um, <laughs> he just is. You know, we wrote a story about Joel, uh, Joel uh, Belomboy from Weber State, you know, five, six years back, who's an all-of 6'10", 250. This guy is 300 pounds. He looks like Shaq. I mean – when he stands next to Jabril Bello, his his leg is as big as both of Bello's legs combined. His shoulders, I've never seen anything like it. And he can play a little bit limited on minutes, you know. There'd be would get up and down four or five times in a row, and he'd, he'd, he'd need a, a sub. He'd call for a sub, and he'd be right back in within a minute of gameplay. Um, but, yeah, I think Portland State, I've always liked what Barrett Peary does. He really he really gets guys to play with energy. He gets this family atmosphere. They're one of the only city city schools in the league where it's such a rural league. They have a bunch of, you know, kids that understand basketball in, a, in kind of a different realm. Um, and they're fun to watch this year. I, I think they're talented. They're the kind of team that when you go to the Big Sky Conference Tournament, which who knows what that looks like this year. It's been in a neutral site with Reno for three years and Boise for two years. They're the kind of team that, that just gets a low seed and causes an upset just because of the frantic style. It's so hot. They're the kind of team that just creates chaos and, and wins in the first round, you know, almost going away. I can see that happening for them this season. Switching gears to a team that's not surging like Montana State, but to a team that has, quite frankly, really struggled, and that's the Montana Grizzlies. I know that the, the uh, glass-half-full crowd is, is saying, well, two one-point losses to Southern Utah early, 
young team. Those are only the second, third games of the season. Then a pair of really close games against Northern Colorado, a two-point loss and a two-point win. But then this last weekend, a good win against Northern Arizona on Thursday, an 11-point win, although the Grizz were up 27 points in that game. And then uh, a game where they didn't score for the last five minutes and 38 seconds and let NAU end the game on a 12-0 run on the way to a 62-58 win in Dahlberg. And I know uh, uh, this comes with a grain of salt. I understand Montana has a bunch of new faces. I know they have a lot of young players. I know that they're treating this as a zero year, so they're really trying to implement their system. That said, I think Travis Takiri said after the game, he said, you win, you learn a lot more from losing than you do from winning. Maybe that's true, but I think it's a tenuous spot to be in, especially when you've been the premier program in the league for as long as Montana has been. Where are you at with this Grizz team? Yeah, man, they're, they're, they got a lot of work to do. I, I agree they have new faces, but it doesn't seem like there's an overwhelming um, willingness to, to, to mesh. It seems like it's not that they have any guys that are kind of, you know, causing a divide by any means. It just seems like there's just not this, where is the mesh point going to be? Who is going to do that? Nobody knows uh, their role, right? You know, some of the no one knows their role. Like they're, you know, Michael Stedman was preseason first team out of league, which I was just so against the pick because none of us had ever really seen him outside of practice. Um, but he's a senior, and but he's never been there. And then, you know, they have older guys like quote unquote older in Kyle Owens and Josh Vasquez who are who are true sophomores. You know, they have only played a handful of games, who are are, are probably supposed to be the kind of guys that are leaders who were around some 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 good grizzly players as 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 freshmen um, but they aren't really necessarily that, that kind of player to me i see kyle owens developing into that kind of player he doesn't seem to be the the, the vocal lead as well as lead by example um leader that this team needs then you got you know and i think travis is, is doing it on purpose to kind of try to inspire some leadership but then you got the young point guards um robbie beaver the third starts playing more brandon whitney is you know relied upon with the ball in his hands as much as anyone on their team and he's just a freshman and he's going to press conferences and he's the one answering and and um and facing the losses with press and he's the one you know answering the tough questions and i think travis is doing that on purpose of like well if no one else is going to step up we'll let our freshmen do it and is he deserving i mean clearly in some ways but overall the team just feels like where is the tipping point going to be who would it come from i don't see how it could come from any of these guys uh, Cameron Parker, you know, is uh, uh, a transfer uh, who I believe is just a junior, but still the kind of guy that would probably provide leadership, but it's such a different year, would probably provide leadership, but he hasn't been there before. It's such like a senior leading program, as all the mid-majors are, but true programs like Montana, they get recruiting classes to go through year after year. We stay there for four years, and right now, everyone on their team is pretty much brand new, and none of them have been there. None of them have really been through the trials and tribulations. Um you know, maybe it's Mac Anderson. Mac Anderson doesn't play enough. Mac Anderson doesn't have that role. Um, so I don't know what this team. I mean, right now it looks like they are a 500 team at best, and the, the fact that they can't close out games, which I think has probably been, you know, the biggest knock on them or the biggest emphasis that Travis Takir has, has has pointed out is you have to be able to close games, and that comes with maturity, that comes with confidence, that comes with knowing the system and knowing who you are and how you fit into it. Um, and right now, none of that's really clicking for the Grizz. Um, you know, clearly plenty of time. As you mentioned, it's really easy to see a glass half full picture here. Um, but 
when there's no home court advantage, when there's no fans in the stands, um, and Dahlberg isn't rocking, and you don't really have that, that momentum building, um, it, it, you have to find it from internally. And I wonder who that comes from. Wh- who do you think that comes from, Colter? You've been and seen them live um, quite a few times now. Where do you think that that kind of comes from internally? Which player or which players do you think need to step up and kind of that direction? Big Shot Breakdown brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. And it's a great question because here's what my take on the Grizz. I, I think that there's a variety of reasons why you can have issues in terms of winning. The number one issue is if you don't have talent. That's not Montana's issue. They have talent. Their players are talented. You can also have uh, winning become elusive if you have chemistry issues. I don't think these guys have chemistry issues in, in the f- fact where they don't get along. I don't think they, I think they have chemistry issues in the fact that they don't know how to find chemistry. And I think it's because, and, and I, this is what's so fascinating about covering Travis DeCure. He is a man of great vision. He professes that vision as well as any coach I've ever been around. He is so articulate in is the way he demands from everybody in his life, whether it's the players, the media, anybody. And um, one of his famous sayings is your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And I think that Travis is trying to make these guys learn the hard way. And I think he also doesn't want anybody that's a young player to be entitled. So there really is no equity that's been built up. So a guy like Derek Derek Carter Hollander, who was the freshman of the year in the league last year, I know he struggled with some injuries early, but although he was the freshman of the year, He's not. He hasn't been a starter. He's only started two games. Josh Vasquez is a guy that played a bunch last year, and he has been coming around a little bit, particularly offensively, uh, but not a lot of sweat equity from a year ago. Kyle Owens is a guy that has been Montana's best player statistically so far this season. He's their leading scorer and their leading rebounder, but he wasn't in the game down the stretch against Northern Arizona. So I think that all these guys, you know, Michael Stedman, they want him to be the guy, but they don't want to anoint him as the guy. Brandon Whitney and Robbie Beasley, they've been kind of going back and forth with who's going to be that that lead guard, that freshman. You know, Cameron Parker, I think, probably came to Montana expecting to start, and now he hasn't started. He's, he's been kind of that pseudo-six man, but I actually think he's bought into the role. But here's the thing. It's not that these guys are unwilling to buy into their roles. I think that they will be willing to buy into their roles. They just haven't had those roles defined for them yet. It's almost as if they continue to have internal position battles within the scope of the team rather than carving out your niche, finding your role, embracing your role, and maximizing your role. So I think that's where they're at. Is And so, again, I don't think it's this deal where it's a chemistry problem where they don't like each other or they can't get along. More importantly, I think it's that no one really knows what their role is. I mean, ironically, the guy who has had the most defined role on the team is a true freshman in Josh Bannon. He and Michael Stedman are the only two players that have started all 13 games for Montana, and Bannon has been somewhat productive in terms of 8.3 points per game, uh, but he's not shooting the ball very well at all. You know, he's, he's only shooting 41% overall. He's only shooting 36% in conference play. He's 3 of 23 from beyond the arc overall this season. And so he, he, I just think that he's gotten a green light that maybe um, – you don't want to say he doesn't deserve it because he is a talented player. I just think that he's playing an ele- maybe an over-elevated role compared to everybody else, and everybody else, they just don't quite know their roles yet. Yeah, it's a confusing team, man, and I agree with everything you just said. Um, so maybe Travis is playing the long game. It's, probably, you know, it's a zero surprise to me or you um, for Travis to think, 
to know how long the season is, to know where you can get to um, when it comes to tournament time, to know what it takes to win a championship. Um, so maybe he's put him through the trials, which, which I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, right now, I, lineup-wise and shot selection-wise, I don't know how they're going to beat a lot of teams if they can't score the ball, and they haven't done that efficiently. So, you know, I don't know what, when that changes or what that looks like, but right now it seems like there's a lot of guys who, who really have a ceiling kind of capped at 10 points, um, which isn't going to really get it done. You know, they, they, they're the lowest scoring offense in the big sky right now, um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with not necessarily confidence, just finding what shots are going to make this as a team, not necessarily a player. Um, I don't know who's really getting to their spots besides Kyle Owens. Greatest strength, greatest, greatest weakness, right? Here's the deal is Coach Takir, he always wants to play his best defensive lineup down the stretch. With this team, their best defensive lineup takes most of their best offensive players off the floor. So they go through these scoring lulls. Montana has put together their customary. Travis Takir's teams always go on a run between the second to last and the last media timeout. And then they have uh, their separation that they need. Then they close the game out. They've had that run against Northern Colorado in the game that they lost and in the game that they won against NAU. They stretched the lead all the way to 27 in the first game before letting it slip away. And even this last weekend, they were winning that game with seven minutes to go, and then they just didn't score. And so, I mean, what do you think of the dichotomy? I understand the philosophy. And again, greatest strength, greatest weakness. The greatest strength is that he's hammering home, Takira's hammering home to these young guys, the priority on playing defense. But on the flip side of it, if you don't have some of the best guys in the game that can shoot the ball and score the ball, then I don't really know what you're doing. It seems like their best offensive players need to be on the floor, at least for moments in time, to break these long scoring droughts. Yeah, that's just Travis to a T, man. I mean, and it's not a knock on him by any means, but you know, he's one of the most stubborn coaches in the league as far as it's not about him. It's about the program, but the program is about him. So at the end of the day, he really won't be, won't change what he likes to do, especially offensively and his demand on defense. You see a guy like Randy Ray at Weber state, when he gets a different group of guys, he coaches them different. And, and Travis really isn't like that. Um, I'm not sure why I, I kind of respect the stubbornness, I do think it is how you hang banners. I do think it is how you build a program. Um, I do think it is how you build a, a legacy as a coach. Um, as you have your way, and your way is, is very visible, and your way is, is easily understood to fans as well as players. The expectation is understood. But right now, if you're going to come up with a zero year, I think that he could even as a coach grow by trying different things, you know, doing stuff that you really haven't done before, doing things you haven't done at Montana or any time in your career. And I think that if you're kind of really truly called a zero year, um, I think that that would probably be the best move as, as far as let's find out what works. Let's try, let's try something different, especially with these young guys before they get set into a mold of what, this, what they have to be. Um, and, if you, and if you do, you know, put too much pressure on what kids have to be, what players have to be this age, you might lose a couple in the transfer portal. Um, and in a zero year where it's going to be harder to recruit, um, I think you want, you know, I think that keeping kids in the program is probably the best bet for any school, let alone Montana. Last point on these grids, because we're going to keep talking about them. I do think that they have a chance when it all coalesces and clicks to still be one of the best teams in the league. And they should be. It's Montana. I mean, that's what it is. They, they have a superior program to pretty much everybody in the Big Sky Conference, particularly the last handful of years with, with the regression of Weber State and the, the continued success under Coach DeCure. 
But when I'm just looking at their shooting splits, like a guy like Josh Vasquez right now, he's shooting 47.8% from beyond the arc. That's a number that it honestly it shouldn't happen. <laughs> you should you should be shooting more to make your percentage because even if you if he's shooting more and he gets down around 42-41%, but he's then making more. I mean, that's the sweet spot. Brandon Whitney shooting 43.5% from deep. I just think that these guys have shooters, and if they want to win in the immediate, I think that they need to adjust and be more flexible and cater to what they got. Either that or they got to light Michael Stedman's shoes on fire and make him become the player that they need him to be because right now he's been productive. He's had a couple double-doubles, but not what they need him to be. They need him to be what Jamar Co was. They need him to be what Martin Broning was. They need, I mean, that's what the Grizz have always had is the dude you can dump the ball to who's getting you – 20 points on 10 shots. That's just what they have. That's what they've had forever. Andrew Strait, Larry Kostoviak, Wayne Tinkle. I mean, on down the line, so many guys uh, that were like that. Sean Samuelson during the Blaine Taylor days. And so I just think that it's one way or the other. But, I mean, do you see validity in learning more and losing than winning? Or, I mean, I guess it's very clear that this is being treated as a zero year and the year where they really try to lay the foundation for the program. But, I mean, is that is there repercussions? Is there is – there, um, downsides to, to the way that, uh, they're, that they're operating currently? I personally think that there is. I think the kids are just a little bit different this day and age. Uh, but I, I just know Travis. I know his style. So I know that – I know what he's trying to get out of these kids by testing them. And I think that in his mind, it'll make them better players, better people, and, and he very well could be right. Um, but this is it's a different situation that, that they haven't really been in. They haven't had a team like this. They haven't had, um, you know, the lack of, of offensive ability like this in, in quite some time, maybe maybe ever. I mean, like you mentioned, it's one of the, the premier program in the league. Um, and, and you were saying that they have shooting. I, I just don't see it. They, they haven't had shooting for years. And, and right now, if Josh Bannon is what you're considered shooting in a league that – Josh Vasquez. I mean, again, as I mentioned – Josh Vasquez, right? As I mentioned, that he has gotten you know vastly improved. Um, but if that is the best shooter you got, I mean, that's like seven the top. I mean, this is Division One basketball. Guys get buckets, you know. I mean, guys can can put the ball in the hole, like at every at all three levels. Every single team has knockdown shooters, and Josh Vasquez, as I mentioned, has developed um, into a, a good shooter. But if, if that's the best shooter you got, I wouldn't say that your team can shoot. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that changes. Is there repercussions? I mean, I think so. It, it, it depends what people, what the, what players' expectations are, which I haven't been internally around them off the record enough to know who's happy with their role, who's happy with the program. Um, I think that kind of just falls on each player's expectations. As a coach, you can't change a whole lot, but you can manage. And Travis isn't always willing to manage uh, players' expectations for themselves. He's willing to, to manage – the program expectation for itself, but not individual players. You fit into, you're almost nameless, you know, as, as like right now, you know, they don't have, they don't wear their, their names on the back of their jerseys. It's that kind of style of program. Um, so is there repercussions? I think of it clearly as a possibility for some. I have a question for you, Coulter. And Brooks this is guys, SportsMT.com. Thanks so much, man. We'll be back next week. Big Sky Breakdown. Good stuff here. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. Stay tuned. More on the Big Sky Breakdown this week and, of course, each and every week right here at SkylineSportsMT.com.
Sports Grace, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions podcast series, commemorates Montana's epic run to its first national crown. Now, you have a chance to own a piece of history by purchasing a custom piece of art specifically commissioned to accompany this epic archiving of history. The one-of-a-kind painting features Hall of Fame quarterback Dave Dickinson, legendary Grizz head coach Don Reed, and Andy Larson, the Helena native who drilled the game-winning kick to lift Montana to a 22-20 victory over Marshall on December 16, 1995. Secure this limited edition work of art while supplies last to ensure no Grizz fan ever forgets that historic moment. To purchase number 195 championship, a one-of-a-kind painting by former Grizz wide receiver Ryan Bagley, visit rbagley3.com or check out grizzgreats.com and click on the link, or you can visit the ESPN Missoula Facebook page for more information. From full-size canvases that are professionally framed to prints, hooded sweatshirts, and t-shirts, don't miss your chance to get this one-of-a-kind painting by a Montana artist for the great people of Montana. Visit rbagley3.com or grizzgreats.com to make your purchase today.